Ladies and gentlemen, we have Wayne Williams. Welcome to Everything House Music and More. Um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of not only sushi and my the other meal I'm going to get on top of this. <laughs> right, right. Thanks for having me, Mo. All right. So here we go again, man. Many consider you the beginning of the culture that birthed house music through your early discovery of black disco. Why do you think you were so open to this different music as opposed to your peers? Well, I think it's because of the way I was raised. Um, my mother uh, taught me not to be judgmental. And, uh, you know, growing up in the projects, uh, you know, we were, we were pretty poor. And um, when we finally did move out the projects, uh, we moved to Roseland and what happened, uh, I, I was a paper boy, and uh, I went and um, you had to collect money. And I, you know, went to a porch, and a white lady came on the porch and was like, get off my porch, nigga, you know. <laughs> wow. And so that kind of shocked me because, honestly, I was, you know, growing up in the projects, you don't see a lot of white people, right? Right. So that was kind of my first experience with them. And, uh, and so... I knew, I mean, that kind of taught me, you know, not to be judgmental of people, period, right. you know. And so um, I think that was a big part of the reason why I I was able to do that. And going to them knowing that they were like a gay club or something like that. Exactly, because back then in the 70s, people were very uh, homophobic. Right. And, um, but again, I wasn't going to judge, I'm not, I wasn't going to judge anybody, you know. And and I was young, and I was quite, you know, the other part of it was I was so into the music. Right. I, you know, I could care less what they did personally, you right, know. Right, So it was all about the music for me. So how did you come up buying records at the time at an early age? What were you doing at the time? Well, um, when I was in seventh grade, uh, my sister was dating a guy who was a DJ. Okay. And uh, he used to get basement parties right over there in uh he lived a couple blocks from Cole Park, and uh, my mother would make me um, chaperone my sister. And so uh, I would go over there, and they'd be slow dancing, and then uh, the record would go off, and I was back there, so I put on the next record. Okay. And so I saw how they reacted to the record I chose. So right. I'm like, I, I just like that feeling. Okay. Yeah, so that's kind of what gave me the DJ bug. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And um, what was your first reaction to Jesse and Vince's first record? Well, you know, I knew when uh, Jesse started hanging around Vince, and, and Vince was, you know, he was very into the alternative scene. He was hanging out on the north side. Right. He had a girlfriend who was a singer who was uh, in the rock music, you know. Uh, her name, I think her name was Evie. And uh, so it didn't surprise me that that song had an alternative slant to it, you know. Right, all the records that Vince did prior. Right. Yes. There was more punk. Like punk rock. Oh, definitely, definitely more, absolutely more rock and punkish. Yep. Right, right, right. And then um, when Jesse did on and on, what was your reaction for that? Well, I gave him the record. It was a record I had called Mock, and um, Brent Wilcox gave me that record. Um, he was the record buyer at Sounds Goods, which was right off Belmont and Broadway. 
right. a record store. And uh, so I took it back, and, and on my scene where I was DJing, it blew up. I mean, the record blew up. It was one of the hottest records. And one day, me and, DJ, uh, me and Jesse had to DJ a party at the same time, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't let him use it. <laughs> so he got upset, and he's like, man, well, um, I'm going to make it over. I need you to leave it, your copy with me over my house. Right. And I said, okay, because quite frankly, I didn't really, I didn't really believe him. I, you know, I wasn't sure, right. but you know, like you're not he's sure. He's going to keep that record right. Right, but I said, okay, well, if if I do that, then you have to make me a record. And so he said, he said, okay, cool. And so I said, all right. And well, sure enough, he 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 uh, made that, he made it, he made his version of that record, and, and it was called became on and on. on. Okay, mm-hmm. so staying right there. Mm-hmm. Since on and on is considered the first house record, but didn't have the house term or anything in there, mm-hmm. give me three reasons why you don't think Colonel Abram music is the answer, visual music got me, or release attention was it the first house record? Well, I tell you what, before I answer that question, what years did those records come out? I believe they came out earlier than Jesse's record. Are you sure? I, I'm, I have to do some research. We'll put it on the screen <laughs> okay. and put it, but right. I, I believe they came up right. before. Okay, well, even if they did, okay. you know, I still wouldn't say that. I'm, and I'm going to explain why, right? Yeah. So there was a scene that we, you know, I had started this group called The Chosen Few DJs in uh, 1975. And in 1977, I made exclusively all DJs, right? Okay. And so... Uh, we became very popular playing disco music on the uh, primarily on the south side of Chicago. Right. And um, in this scene, mostly you know, black kids. Uh, um, I think it it, it started because I went to Catholic school first. I went to Mendel Catholic High School. Right. So a lot of Catholic schools and girls and boys schools: Aquinas, Seton, Longwood, Unity, uh, Immaculata. Mm-hmm. Um, um, a, a lot of those um, schools, you know, um, got into the music. And then uh, later on, I transferred to Kenwood. And then, of course, Kenwood got into it, High Park, Lynn Bloom, right. Whitney Young, right. those schools, right? And uh, But because at that time, there weren't many DJs playing disco music on that scene. Because back then, disco was, you know, c- considered gay music. And right. and a lot of the uh, straight kids were homophobic, okay. so only the to you know only the kids who were more progressive got into that music at first, right? And um, and so because of that, I became a real you know popular DJ okay. playing that style of music. But but they called it the straight kids called that music. They weren't calling it disco okay. because. Back then, you only heard that music at people's, you know, houses, basement parties that they would do. Okay. Or, um, or at their high school parties because we were too young to go to clubs. We were 14, 15, 16, right. 17 years old, right? Okay. So that's the only place you could hear it. And so they were calling it house music because they would hear it out. We would do parties in Peel Hill and High Park and um, uh, Jeffrey Manor and... Uh, um, the, the um, Jackson Jackson Highlands and places like that, okay. and uh, and so 
they would hear this music coming out of these houses, so they called it house music. So they were they, literally calling disco house music. Well, there was some people who probably disagree with you about that. So you you well, saying you saying the term house music didn't come from the warehouse? No, man, no, 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 no. It came from people just playing music in their house. Uh, having parties of disco music in their houses. Okay, right. You're gonna get a Where lot of comments on disco. this one about that. Well, you know, good luck with that, right? Because okay, well, I was okay. there. Okay, so, <laughs> but so, uh, so, and no. the reason, well, hold okay, on, because you brought up the fact of the yes. warehouse, right? Where the warehouse didn't become popular, especially with heterosexuals, to late seventy nine, eighty. Okay, you see what I'm saying? So there's no look. Frankie knew it as disco music too. He right. didn't know it because he wasn't on the South Side scene like that. He didn't know disco was house music. Right. In fact. He's on video saying, you know, what's this music that they play at? Because he saw a sign on the South Side saying, saying we, we play, play house, house music. music. Right. And he's like, well, what is house music? Right. Because he didn't know it as that. Gay people did not know it as house music. Okay. They knew it as disco music. Right. And that's the reason why he said that. So obviously he didn't view it as house music. Right, but the kids was going to the warehouse at that time and but they, they played got disco to, there. But they so got that's there. They saying that's where the house music came right, from. Right, but they got there later. And if you think about it, mind you, I'm playing for two and 3,000 kids. Like, by, by that time, we were doing parties at Naval Armories and places like that, big, big gymnasiums, mm-hmm. uh, uh, even in places like Chicago State and IIT. Right. The warehouse only hold 300 people, bro. Right. You know, uh, and 200 of them, 300 were, were gay people. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. You know, it wasn't started at the warehouse. Are you kidding? It couldn't have been started at the warehouse. It didn't didn't even have that many people there at the time. Okay. But but by the time these kids fl- got to the warehouse or started going to the warehouse, right? They they had to get older. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that took years for that progression to happen. But they first heard it out these houses. Okay. On the south side of Chicago. Very, That's where they first heard the very music. Very interesting. Or lofts. Right. Or Sawyer's, or Tree of Life, or the playground, right. or the penthouse. Okay. I can go on and on. Or the Tiki Room, or right. McClendon's. That's where they first heard this music. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. So, we're going back. Visual Music Got Me came out in 1983. Okay. On and On came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. Release. Release. Right. So. But you heard it in 83. You may have heard it, but it wasn't released, though. It wasn't released, no. Music got me released in 83. Right. So you made a hurt in 82. Mm-hmm. So why is not that considered the first house record? Okay. Going back to what I was saying, right? Okay. So we had a scene, right? Okay. On this house music scene, right? Right. Um, a lot of early promoters like Tony Smith, Arthur Bailey, um, uh, Lionel Brazil, uh-huh. right? They brought fashion onto the scene as well. Okay. Right? They dressed a certain way. Right. The kids started dressing a certain way. You okay. see what I'm saying? Right. And um, and then we they came up with the, we came up with our own terms, like jacking. Okay. Like uh, that was a term that we came up with, which was part of our house music scene. Right. Because kids, like when you be in these basement parties, it'd always be poles in the basement and stuff. Right. So you'd be jacking people on the pole and Correct. stuff like Correct. that. Yeah. And same thing with uh uh, in the gymnasiums, let's say that they'll grab the speaker and jack and people jack, on the, yeah, speaker. the speaker. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Absolutely. And so there was a culture, a culture developed, right? Right. And so you had 
we had a, a they would even smoke certain cigarettes. I think of Jacarters. They would smoke right. cigarettes like Jacarters. They would dress. Uh, they had this this certain fashion of dressing, and they came up with their own words like like jacking. Okay. And uh, and so um, with Jesse on and on, the, the second record was mine, which was undercover. Right, right. We're gonna get to that. I got something to say for that. Okay. That. Well, okay. this is part of it though. All right. In that record, I used the word jack because Correct. that was part of the scene that we're doing. So. And you're the first one that used jack. Absolutely. Okay. So, but it's a big picture, and the big picture is. No one person can start a genre, right? It takes, because if let's say they do a hot record or have a, some hot records out, right. it's still not a genre, right? right? A genre is created when people follow and continue that genre. Correct. And so the other DJs that came after us continued that genre Okay. of house music and that's how house music became a genre where that did not happen in new york what happened in chicago where the where the black djs and kids who continued the genre right. because what jesse did started you know he used a drum machine right. and so these same kids and djs and producers started using drum machines and that's how the sound changed because up until then the sound was mainly disco music with live drums where when that drum machine sound changed right. it was it was one thing to hear it like that it was another thing to hear it like that right but, right but and that drum machine visual had drum machines and synths and but the difference is again okay the difference is the djs that followed after and so that's what created the genre so and not only that the international sound that developed as well so these records uh, that came after using the same sound. Right. You have uh, Steve Silk Hurley with Jack Your Body, Farley with Love Can't Turn Around, Marsha with Move Your Body. Right. These records became international pop hits. Right. So, not to mention, and Chip E as well, Time to Jack, right. Jamie Principal with Your Love, yes. and Bad Boy, and, 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 uh, and Cold World and his songs, right? right? So Adonis with No Way Back and Rocking Down the House. So it was the combination of all this that created the genre of house, of house music. Beautiful, beautiful, Wayne. Okay, mm -hmm. so how did Undercover come about and what was your musical inspiration for that record? Undercover? Um, was that you sneaking from the, the warehouse in Auden back in the day? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was, you know, that was me seeing right. as being one of the first, one of the first, not the first, because I can't claim that, but right. one of the first straight guys that went to the warehouse, right? Because right. actually Craig Cannon took me to the warehouse before Frankie even got there. Okay. When I went to the warehouse, Robert was the DJ, Robert Williams, who was the owner. Right. And then later on, he brought Frankie, right? Okay. But, um, um. Hold on, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> what was your, what inspired you to do Undercover? Oh, Undercover, right. right. And you know, so, how did that come about? So coming to the club, it's funny, I saw the pro the, the the progression of kids, right? Okay. I saw them, because, you know, a lot of these, these, these straight kids, uh, and some who turned out not to be straight kids, right? right? Right. I saw them when they first came to the parties that I did, right? Right. And then I saw them when they first went to the warehouse and in the music box. And then I saw them 
um, their transformation with the music. And, uh, you know, some of them transform with the music and some of them, um, <clears throat> some of them, some of those kids were, were in the closet because back then, right. everybody wasn't coming out and right. saying they was gay. Right. Mind you, these are different times, right? Correct. And so, um, un- that's kind of what Undercover was about. Okay. Seeing the transformation of people and seeing how s- certain people uh, changed and, and, and were, were, you know, um, you thought they were one thing, they became another, right. you know, and, 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 you know, just... The secrets they had and right. things like that. That's how Undercover came about. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. good. Okay, so how did you become A&R at Trax? And what was your first signing at Trax Records? Uh, okay, so I became un, uh, A&R by... I actually got tricked into it, right? Because I would go down there all the time to, just to see about the rec, you know, my record and stuff like that. Right. And, uh, and that was undercover. You talking about? And that right? was undercover, okay. right? And um, and Larry would always ask me to come back, right? And then I realized every time he asked me to come back, he would play these cassette tapes for me and like, hey, what do you think of this? Wait, hey, what do you think of that? Right. What do you think of this? Right? right? I'm right. like, oh, that's hot. That's hot. Oh no, that's that's uh, that's that don't sound good. Oh, that's hot, right? And then after a while, it kicked in. He was, that the records he said was hot, I said hot, he was pressing, right? I was like, okay. Right. So I stopped coming, right? And so, of course, he called me. Hey, you haven't been here in three weeks. Yo, what are you doing? I said, bro, I, I didn't even know what I was doing, right, Mo? But I, was, I said, bro, right. you got to pay me if you want me to come back there. Because I had no job then, right. you know what I'm saying? So he was like, and so I was looking for work anyway. And so he was like, oh, okay, come down. Let's talk about it, right? right. And so... He said, okay, you know, just tell me, I got these new tapes in, tell me what you think, right? and I'll give you this, right? And, of course, the first couple of checks bounce, of right? Course, of I'm course. like, man, see, right. peace out, right? So I would right. be going back and forth. With, right, right. No, there's money in there now. It's in there now, <laughs> right? Okay. You know, so, um, so as far as, like, I doubt that none of the people knew that I picked those records or cassettes, right? Okay. That, that, but. They were all the early records, Move Your Body, right. No Way Back, uh, Fingers, uh, um, uh, Can You Feel It. Um, so you was there telling Larry which one to put out. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it did. And then after I left, uh, there was a, 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 a distinct change in the records <laughs> that came out. Please believe that part. Well, we, we have to tell the people before you left okay. that since we didn't get paid, mm-hmm. a lot of times I would pull my... Escort GT in the back, and we would fill the back up with all records to go sell at the record stores. Oh, absolutely! So uh, that's how we got our money. Yeah, um, so, so not actually your first signing. So you picked a lot of records early on mm-hmm. and told Larry what to do about that. Mm-hmm. That's that's good to know, right there. Mm-hmm. So did you have any interactions or business with Rocky Jones from DJ International? No. Okay, that's a good one. Once bag is enough. <laughs> 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 all right, so. Let's let's go to the next subject. A lot of people want to. How did you become A and R at Jive Records? Well, Jive Records came. They noticed these records that were coming out of the tracks because they were based in London at the time, and uh, so they came over. And at first, they were interested in Adonis, and at the time, I was managing Adonis, and uh, and so um, I negotiated his deal with Jive Records. In the meantime, they were like, "Hey." We, you know, um, I would tell them about the other artists, you know, right. 
DJ Pierre, Mr. Lee, Liz Torres, right. and um, White Knight, you name it. And or, or they would suggest and ask me about other artists, and I would, I, you know, I knew everybody, so I would tell them how to get in touch with him, or right. you know, you know, um, and so. Um, one day they called and said, hey, the owner really likes you and he wants you to, to come work for him. Okay. And I was like, really? <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, coming from Larry Bouncing Checks, I was like, peace out. <laughs> right. I'm right. like, okay, cool. Right. 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 And so that's how that, that happened. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, a lot of people didn't know that. Mm-hmm. So name a house music release from Chicago you wish you would have signed and the one that got away. Oh, no such ammo with me, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no such animal. No Every such. record that I that I that I picked or told Larry about, um, you know, performed did really well. Okay, you know, so, even the one like Liddell, there was a record that uh, get the whole get the whole right. that they didn't uh, the Franksky and Baltimore had put out, right. and uh, he he stopped pressing it. And I'm like, let's make that over, right? And even that did well, you know. So I didn't know. So, what, what was the worst record you signed? Your worst flop, we should say. At tracks? It can be tracks or either at, at Jive. Uh, oh, yeah, well, give, that's okay, a lot so of years. Let's, let's, right. let's do scenario, two scenarios. Okay. Give me the worst flop you signed at tracks records, mm-hmm. and then the worst record you signed at Jive records. I don't consider any of the records I signed at tracks because none of them flopped. They all did well. They all sold, okay. you know. Um, jive Records. Uh, jive Records. Um, it's got to be something that Jive. That that she was like, oh, this one's some bull. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you have no records. Okay, next question. Uh, let, let me okay. think. Okay, all right. Let me think. Um, put it like this. There's nothing that I signed that I'm not proud of. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, there's reasons, you know, in the music industry why, why um, some records don't work, right? Right. And it's not necessarily because of the record, okay. you know? Um, but uh, I'm trying to think. Is there... Uh, there's some that I felt should have done better, and they didn't. Like I signed this group called Elegance out of Nashville, okay. and I just don't. I just didn't feel the record company gave them a fair shot. They're a four okay. guy group. They were really good, and there was this guy named Lee Carr, who was out of Jersey, okay. and uh, I felt, you know, I thought he, you know, I thought he was really good singer, but it, I didn't think he got a fair shot either. And I signed this kid. Jacob Lattimore, oh, Jacob who's Lattimore. Uh, on the shot. Who's on the shot? Yeah, right. Who uh, I just felt was a star, and um, uh, it was came right in that change between when RCA, you know, signed uh, uh, took uh, bought Jive Records, and I, they just weren't into him. Right. So the Jive record people were, but then they got bought out, and yeah. so he got caught in that mix. Okay. So name three things you learn exclusively from being a major label or being with a major label. <laughs> this is gonna sound mad arrogant, right? Okay. But uh that uh I don't know, being from Chicago Mo, you know, 
we're you know we're pretty humble right, right. and and so i thought when i moved to new york <laughs> i would learn a lot and i realized i knew more than they did right <laughs> so that shocked me right right you right. know because i was expecting to learn and i did learn some right, right. but Man, I knew a lot more than those cats, right? Yeah. And I think part of that is because, you know, New York has a, you know, it's on the East Coast, right? Right. right. And so they were kind of really East Coast bias, yeah. right? Whereas we're in the middle of the country. Right. And so we just like what's, what's good, what's hot. We don't get caught up on a yeah. East Coast right. sound or West Coast sound Correct. or down South sound. Right. So I think that's our advantage that we have. It just is Chicagoans. Okay. And you learned that through being on a major. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. All right. As the founder of The Chosen Few, what do you think The Chosen – well, let me see. As The Chosen Few – what do you think the chosen few does best? Well, I think we're all great DJs, you know. I think that, um, but I mean, there are a lot of you know really great DJs, right? right. Uh, I'm a fan of DJs, right? So, you know, I've never had hate or ego when it comes to other DJs being great, right. you know. So, because uh, I'm a fan. Um, but I think for us, it's, it's humility, mm-hmm. right? I think it's more humility and, and our love for music and our love for God because we're all pretty spiritual. That's good. And we're all um, about the bigger picture. It's not about us. It's about the people. Right. And once you figure that out, to me, that that's how you sustain your success. I have to put in there branding, man, because your branding is remarkable, man. Oh uh, yeah, our branding's our branding's good. We have uh, great ambassadors, though. Terry's really good at that. Mike's really good at that. Right. Uh, I think uh, I, I'm pretty good at that, and I think that, um, and we learn from each other yeah. as well. You know, um, yeah. So that being said, what do you think the chosen few could do better as a collective? Mm, could do better. I think, um, you know, I believe uh, it could do better. Right. I think that I would like to see us more international. Okay. Right? Right. Uh, and I mean that as a collective because, you know, certain guys are like Mike and Terry, right? Right. But uh, just as a collective, I would like to see us more international. And um, if anything, you know we're lacking as far as as far as getting into that that world you know what i'm saying in fact mo you right. you know more you know a lot more about that world than shit me yeah. you know because you traveled a lot overseas right. you know djing but i would say that's that's our our future goal okay mm-hmm. okay yourself aside mm-hmm. who do you think had the most influence in chicago house scene farley frankie or ron hardy well, for me, I'm going to be biased, right? I just need your honest opinion, brother. Well, it's going to be an honest, biased opinion. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I'm going to say Ron Hardy. Ron Hardy. Yeah. Okay. And um, and Lord knows I love Frankie. Did that. Hold on. What's that question? I'm going to be sure <laughs> if I answer this question right. Who do you think had the most influence in Chicago on the house on the Chicago house scene? Farley, Frankie, or Ron Hardy? I'm sorry. That's Frankie Knuckles. Hmm. Yeah, that's Frankie Knuckles. Um, you, you you say Frankie. Mm-hmm. 
but you wouldn't put Farley in that since he 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 was on the air for millions of people each and every weekend. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna say um, Frankie for the reason that. Um, Oh, and make no mistake, Farley was super impactful, okay. right? But Frankie, from a worldwide aspect, right? From an international aspect, you know, I think that uh, from a producer aspect, you know, um, um, from a media aspect, you know, right? From a branding aspect, right. you know, like if you ask, if you ask people all over the world. When it comes to Chicago house music, I think Frankie's name is going to ring out a little bit more than uh, Farley's. Okay. And uh, uh, and quite frankly, not saying that's fair, right? But just saying from a media perspective, uh, he's got way more uh, um, worldwide media, you know. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wayne, so having spent time in the music industry as a real A&R person, and spending time in both genres as, you know, as the ground zero for house. Why do you think house doesn't get the same recognition as hip hop? Well, hip hop is more commercial than house music, especially in America. It's got, got way more radio play and, uh, you know, was on air and uh, promoted um, much better as well. And so it blew up on radio and TV, and and house music didn't. So that's why. Uh, I, I beg to differ, man. I mean, because there was radio station out here that became a dance radio station because of house music. Um, what station was it? It was B ninety six. They changed their whole format to straight dance music. That was a pop station. Well, I mean, you had uh, GCI playing some house at the time, but I'm just saying, but. Why didn't they? Why didn't they? The black station grab, uh, you know, grab the house music since it's from Chicago, and play it on the air like they should. Same reason the pop station did. The pop station did play some house music. Some. Correct. But not nearly as uh, much as uh, uh, they did with rap. I mean, name me um, an artist bigger than Jay Z or. LL Cool J. Well, be- yeah, be- or before then, I mean, it, Tribe it, Called Quest or the shit KRS One for that matter. But okay, ask yourself why you, you was in the music industry as as an A&R person. Mm-hmm. Why is that? Because they didn't promote it. That's why. Okay, but I, I'm uh, is I can say they didn't promote it, but mm-hmm. I need a, a more substantial answer than that. Well. That's the only answer you're getting from me, okay? <laughs> is the, if you don't promote it, it's not going to be, uh, okay, you all know. Right. So we're we going to stay there. So it's, mm-hmm. it's two more questions I want to ask you. Mm-hmm. Being at a major label, mm-hmm. why didn't you advocate for house music more on the label of Jive Records? Well. Prior, before the 2000 or 2010s, we should say. Well, I started at Jive Records in 1989. Right. And so the first acts I signed was Mr. Lee, Liz Torres, DJ Pierre, right. um, um, White Knight, White Boy Mike. Um, and so um, the acts that I signed were house music artists. Correct. And, um, and quite frankly, 
they dropped the ball on those acts. They okay. didn't promote them. Okay. Uh, like they like they uh, promoted, you know, their right rap guys. artists. Right. So, um, so that gap from 1989. But hold on, no, okay. no, no, no. You ain't getting off the hook. All right. So me as a and R, right? Me as a and R, I did do my due diligence and sign those acts into a major label. Now, could somebody else have done it? I mean, in, in, in fact, since we're talking, right? Didn't you do? Didn't you work or know somebody at Smash Records? Absolutely. I, I mean, you gave me my first remix, so I, I, I definitely. I'm right. not saying you didn't advocate at that time. I'm right. just saying, for for no. us, for, for, no, for I'm all, saying no. I'm the only one that advocated. That, that's true, but at it, 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 it got to last longer than just uh, 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 two or three years. Mm -hmm. So, in '89, you did that. '90, you did that. '91. '91. What happened? '92. What happened? '93, '94, '95, '96, '97, '98. His name was R. Kelly, but he didn't do house. Oh, I'm just saying. See, oh, okay, so once he once he blew up, right, right, and got the commercial success, right. That's all they wanted, right. That's so, what but, they were looking but, for. But from you them. being the a person, why did you say, "Listen, Rob, let's do a, you Chicago, let's do a house record." I, I know, did. I know it came later on. Mm -hmm. I but did. The ten well, albums that came in before that. No, well, it was it? less than 10 albums, buddy. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, nine. Okay. Nine. <laughs> so, like so, seven. So, but, uh, okay, but he had to establish himself. And, and quite frankly, um, he had to want to do it, right? And so I can't force nobody to do it. Right? Well, as an NR person, so, you can suggest and Oh, and I did. He knew my background. You okay. know what I'm saying? Right. He, used to, he, you know, he used to go to the uh, right. playground, right? right? And dance on the walls, right? Okay. So Jack, I, I think that, and Jack his body. So right. there you go. So, um, but you know, quite frankly, that was not what he was into, right? right. He was into R and B, and that's what he did. And so, um, but uh, again, later on, uh, as you can tell from his his songs on his uh, album, uh, I was able to. To get get them to that point, absolutely no. I, I'm not I'm not mm -hmm. disclaiming that or anything. I was mm -hmm. just trying to say, okay. So mm -hmm. R. Kelly became in the scene. So it was mm -hmm. it's nothing else you can do on the house scene mm -hmm. to help bring it up as at a major label at that time. Then oh no, look, I, it's funny. Um, there are many things that that I brought right, right. but uh, they pieced out of right. right. And, and uh, I brought them French Kiss. I brought them Pump Up the Jam. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's David Morales, okay. right? Because um, he was the first one I heard play Pump Up the, Jam, Up the Jam at Red Zone. Right. And he got it because he knew a kid in the Netherlands, right, right who gave it to him. Right. And so uh, along the way, I brought, I brought Jive Records many uh, projects as far as that's concerned. But if they pass on them, look, it's not my record company. Right. You see what I'm saying? Absolutely. So um, I did. Oh, I've I've done a lot of that. I brought them uh, Casper. I brought <laughs> I brought a, you know uh, the Cha Cha Slide. I brought I brought a lot of different and they stuff. Passed too, on that, and huh? they passed on that, wow. right? See, see I brought I mean, them the Macarena, and okay. they passed on that. Wow. So you know, there's only so much you can do. You yeah, know? that's true. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. just saying, but people don't know Wayne. So mm -hmm. I ask these questions because people are like, well. He ain't do nothing for mm -hmm. us. 
You no, know, I did so, more than anybody they know, though. Well, that's probably true. No, that is true. <laughs> <laughs> Name somebody who did, did but, who brought house acts to, to, to a major label beside me. Well, I'm waiting. Hey, y'all. I'll wait. Comment in the comments <laughs> below, and we, we'll figure that out. Right. So, it's been almost four years, mm -hmm. 40 years, Wayne. Why do you still DJ? Oh, I've been over 40 years, but uh, I started in 1973. But... um. Why? Because I love music. Because the, I was born a DJ. Literally. Okay. You think like, that's your purpose? No, I know. Okay. I don't think. Um, when my mother used to make me go to bed at 10 o'clock at night. Right. And um, she'd go to sleep. i wake back up and watch TV to 2, 3 in the morning and then go to sleep. Right. So I, I was born a DJ. Okay. Right? And so... Um, you know that that's just my calling, right? And uh, and so, you know, I've got a great ear for music and and what people like, okay. and so um, that that's just my calling. You know, I'm very confirmed in that belief. Okay, good. Last mm -hmm. question. This is what we do for everybody on 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 the show. Give me your top three house records, not disco, no other genre, house records. Let me start from the top or the bottom. I just need three. I just need an answer. Yes, start from the top. From the top. Yes. Number one would be Move Your Body. Okay. Number two. I hate to get this guy credit. Oh my God. <laughs> but I had to. Number two would be French Kiss. Okay. Uh. Hmm. Move your body, French kiss, and number three. Wow, that's a tough one, Mo. Okay. I'm between a few records, you know. Okay. Can I tell you what records I'm between? Yes, sir. I'm between No Way Back. Okay. I'm between Can You Feel It? Okay. Fingers. Gentlemen, <laughs> thank you, Wayne Williams. Thank you for, for joining the show. Everything, house music, and more. Good. We love you guys. Thank you, Wayne, for this, man. I appreciate you, man. God bless. All right.